You're listening to King Jesus Radio, the official podcast of New Living Way Church. In tonight's Bible study, we are going to the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. The topic is, what I do have. We get to learn about what they have, but also who they have. And in knowing who you have, then you get to recognize what you have. And that is Jesus and His authority. So let us study the Word of God together today as we learn about the authority that we have in Jesus. The Lord encouraged us tonight to pray for one another. So I pray that you're encouraged that you would take somebody by the hand and rise them up and lay hands on them and pray with what you have. And that is the name of Jesus. God bless you. Acts chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. And tonight's topic is, what I do have. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for your word, Father God, that you were prepared. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before your throne this day, just thanking you, Lord, for all that you have done and will continue to do. And, Lord, I just ask you that by your spirit, Lord, you would just bring forth your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So I do have a couple of scriptures here that I would like to ask. I need a couple of people that would be willing to read. So if you can have these ready. Um, I'm looking for somebody to read Luke Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Could somebody read that for me? I mean, well, would they be available to read? Okay, Vanessa will read that one. Okay, the next scripture would be Isaiah chapter 61. And this will be verse 1 through 3. Would somebody volunteer to read that? Brother Dennis, okay. Um, and the next, the next uh, scripture would be Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 through 6. Would somebody be willing to volunteer to read that? Isaiah chapter, okay, faith. Thank you. And uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Would somebody be willing to volunteer to read that? Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Your sister Yolanda, okay. And then I have here another one. Don't, don't worry, there's plenty to go around. <laughs> Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. Would somebody be available to read that one? Uh, Summer, okay. Summer's got that one. And the next one would be uh, Exodus chapter 8, verse 16 through 19. Would somebody be available to read that one? Exodus chapter 8, verse... Okay, Brother Dennis jumped on that right away. Okay. Amen. All right. Cool. So these will be a couple of scriptures, and I'll call them out. So when I call out your, your scripture, I'll let you know when. And if you could, you know, just read that when I call on you. Amen. So we're, so we're going to start off in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. And again, the topic tonight is what I do have. So we'll read from, from verse 6. And I'm out of the English Standard Version. It says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Amen. So this will be our key scripture tonight. We're going to go over some other scriptures that we're going to lay out tonight to get to this scripture. But this is our main scripture tonight. So keep this in mind of everything we read right now. And as we go, as we go along here. So I wrote here what I do have. And this is a topic. But this is a question that I put. Is it what they have or is it who they have? So this is a question I'm asking. Is it what they have or is it who they have? Anybody like to take a shot at that? Because they say, what I do have, I give to you. It's who? Okay. 
What they have? Well, okay. Who they know, actually, Jesus. Well, let me let Sister Rachel go. She said, who who you have? Amen? Yes. Uh-huh. Go ahead. So, why is it who you have? Yeah, it's kind of what Pastor, Pastor Pat said, you know, it's what I have or what I have is Jesus. Amen. So, it can kind of go both ways, I think. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Pat, yours was? That's the name of Jesus. Amen. We're in that name. Amen. Who you know? Who you know? Amen. And you're both right. Amen. And I wrote here the who is Jesus. The what is his authority. Yep. So it's the same. So yes, it's what I do have, but it's really it's both who I have and what I have. The who is Jesus, and the what is his authority. And this is why it's so important. I put here, huh? With a little question mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you guys all got it. So, you know, it wasn't a huh type of crowd tonight. Amen. So, but it was a huh question for me when I sat there. I'm like, huh? I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I got it. Yeah. And that's huh? H-U-H. Amen. And, and you can put a little G in there if you want. Hugh, you know, either one. Amen. Uh-huh. There you go. You could go, uh-huh. That's after we kind of get it, right? And we could just go on and on. Eh? <laughs> Amen. But I wrote this. Jesus has every right to change what looks like it has already been set. How many of us know that Jesus in his authority has every right to change what we believe has already been set? And he can do that with one word. Think about it this way. We just were reading on this man that the Bible says, as we read last week, he was born this way. So this was determined by birth that this man was lame. And now we're reading, he will no longer be lame. So with this, we're seeing the who of Jesus, but we're also seeing the what, because we're seeing Jesus' authority. Because not only is it a word, but it's an action in the word proving his authority. And this is one of the things we must recognize that doesn't matter how anything looks, no matter how anything we believe is set, when we recognize and come to know and understand the who and the what, Jesus and his authority, we can understand that Jesus is above all rule and authority of this world. And he can change whatever we think needs to be the same. In a portion of scripture, it says that God stopped the sun during a battle. And he raised up the the sun a couple of steps in another portion of scripture. That is how awesome our God is. That is beyond what is the natural authority of this land. And this was his purpose, and this was his right. How many believe that this was Jesus' purpose, and this was his right as a son of God? To have all that power and authority because it was given to him uh, as the Father gave it to him. So I want us to look at a couple of examples here, which is very important to me and you today. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1 through 10. And it says here in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So who was dead? We were, me and you. How many of you guys agree with that? <laughs> Amen? Yeah, we were, we were dead. Because if we accept this portion of Scripture, then the next part is even more greater. It's like, wow, I do acknowledge that. Amen? So it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked or even lived, following the course of this world. Oh, but also look at this. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedient, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. How many of us know at one point in time in our lives, we were following the prince of the air? We were following the course of the world. And even at times today, though we may get caught up in the things of 
of the world and the fears, especially with everything that is going on right now, it's a real thing. And we can get caught up in that very easily. The Bible doesn't knock us for that. But what it does, what he does encourage us is to remember who our God is so we can overcome in him. And at one time, we didn't even know we could do this. We were so focused. This was just a pattern. We did it without even, there was no recollection. It was like, this was just our life. This is our natural living of how we did it. We were following the prince of the air. But in verse 4 it says, but God. How many of us know that that does change things? We've heard that many times. But God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses that's why I said we got to acknowledge we were dead in our trespasses because if not this next portion does us no good but when we acknowledge that he says made us alive together with Christ how amazing is that because how many of us know that Jesus is no longer in the grave so we're not just alive in Christ in the flesh we're alive in the resurrected Christ the one who was seated at the right hand of the father the reason the bible says today you are seated in heavenly places that is an amazing thing and he says by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him i jumped ahead of myself in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, and one translation says we are his masterpiece. Yes. How many of us enjoy knowing that God calls you his masterpiece? How many of us know that a masterpiece is not ordinary? There's value to a masterpiece. It's not like when you see your kids painting, you're like, oh, that's a masterpiece. <laughs> then later on, it's, you know, it's, it's in the file cabinet under, you know, in the kitchen. But you are a masterpiece, greater than any masterpiece of this world. And this is why, because it says created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So imagine this. What should have been left as ordinary or in the natural, what was already set? How many of us know that by according to the standards of that, we deserve death? We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sin. But because of the authority of Christ, and because He laid down His life and died on that cross, He took back that authority. He never lost it. But he took back from the power of sin that had me and you in bondage. He took back the power of the prince of the air. And no longer is that more powerful over our lives because of what Christ did for me and you and because we put our faith in him. He changed what should have been set by one action that he did. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to go through 6 through 5. How many of us know in order to get here, this took a part on us, right? What did we have to do in order to receive this? Colossians chapter 2. We're going to go through verse 6 through 15. What did it mean you have to do to become alive in Christ? Yes, Summer. We had to admit that we're sinners and we had to ask for forgiveness and ask for Jesus to come into our lives. Amen. And we had to believe. We had to believe this to be true about what the Word of God says about Christ. So verse 6 in Colossians chapter 2 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. So that's why I asked this question. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. With the same faith that you put in Christ to receive Him, to receive the forgiveness, to become a child of God. He is also saying, so walk in that same faith. Live in that faith. 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Living a life of thanksgiving for all that God did for me and you. And he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So anything else that tries to teach me and you differently from who Christ is, that's actually robbing me and you. Because if anything starts to teach you about works, about earning your salvation, about you having all this together, whatever it may be, if you give unto the Lord, He's going to do, no. If anything goes against, what ends up happening is you get robbed of the freedom that you have in Christ. When the Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, yes, it's referring to the devil, but it's also referring to false teaching. It's referring to false teachers. Because false teaching will rob you from the truth of who Christ really is. He is the Son of God. The one who died on the cross for me and you. The one who raised from the grave. And has all power and all authority. And who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Who is coming back for a church without spot or blemish. The one who reigns and rules. And he says in verse 9, For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses, there's that word again, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Basically saying we owed a price. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die because of our sins. We deserve to die because we were at enmity with God. But God canceled that debt. How many times have we wished and prayed, Lord, let that creditor cancel that debt, Lord? <laughs> Maybe that hasn't happened. But your sin debt is canceled out in Christ Jesus. And the legal demands that come along with it. That's all those court papers that come along with it. That they're going to come after you. And it says, This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I want to read this out of the Living Bible Version, verse 13 through 15. It's the same one, but listen to this version. It says, You were dead in sins... And your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ, for he forgave all your sins, and blotted out all the charges proved against you, the list of his commandments which you had not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. In this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin, and God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. So verse 15, one more, I got to read that again. In this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin. And God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. He did it publicly. He publicly became that sacrifice for me and you. And He died for our sins. He took away the power of sin, the bondage of death that we lived under for so long. Thank God for that. That's authority. How many of us know that that is authority? Amen. 
He gave us life, even though it went all against the authority of this world. Did He change your life? Then that's the power and the authority of God. Let me ask, raise your hand if God has changed your life. That is the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. Because you believe it today. Revelation 1.5 says this, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, thank you, Jesus. How many of us know that Jesus speaks and the Holy Spirit does? Because he's the one that drew me and you. So many times we may not understand the authority of Christ or the authority of God. But if you believe you've been forgiven, you believe that your sins have been washed away, you believe you're a child of God today, that's an example of God's authority to be able to step into your life and to snatch me and you from the fire and deliver me and you from death. That is authority because nothing else in this world and no one else in this world could ever do that except Christ and Christ alone. This is what Jesus came to do. So let's look at this to the Word of God. Amen? So now I'm going to call on those that, I, that, that said they would read. And we're going to read together Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Whoever had that one there. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture, the scripture, excuse me, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? They asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? <coughs> then he said, You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb. Physician heal yourself, meaning do miracles here, here in your hometown like those did in Capernaum? 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 Yeah, Capernaum. But I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Amen. So Jesus, to declare his ministry, because Jesus could have just said, I'm the son of God. This is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. But what does he do? He pulls out the word of God. To declare and to proclaim that this is the ministry that God has sent him to do. And he confirmed it through the Word of God because he is the Word of God. The authority of God's Word is in Christ Jesus. And in this, there's no going against who Christ came to what Christ came to do. And we're going to look at where this scripture is taken from. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 3. Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. And I believe uh, Brother Dennis was going to read that one there. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to conform, to comfort all that, all that mourn, to anoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the mourning, and uh, the garment of praise for the the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Amen. 
And keep that in mind. Mine says the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Amen? Keep that in mind today, what Christ came to do. And remember what this man that gets healed at the beautiful gate, what he ends up doing, okay? So keep that in remembrance. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And this is the ministry. This is what Jesus came to do was to fulfill the very word of God. And he was able to do this because God has all the authority and he has given the authority to Jesus Christ. Okay? So now let's go to Isaiah, a couple chapters before. Isaiah chapter 35. And we're going to read verse 3 through 6. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 through 6. And whoever had that, go, oh, faith. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands, and encourage those who have weak dreams. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he, when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing of joy. Springs will rush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. Amen. And a portion of mine in verse 6, it says, Then shall the lame man leap up like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. <laughs> Amen. So this starts to sound a little familiar here? This is part of Jesus' ministry here. Amen. So let's go to now Mark chapter 6. And we're going to be going through verse 1 through 6 here. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they stuck. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, <laughs> and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored anywhere except in his own hometown, and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on abusive people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Amen. So imagine that. They thought they knew Jesus because they grew up with him. But how many of us know they really didn't know him? This should be an encouragement to me and you. For those around in our lives, many times they might not believe what you believe. They might not see things the same way you see it. But don't worry, they did it to Jesus too. And this was the Son of God. It's not based on how people see us, it's based on how we see God. And how we come to know Him. Let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. A couple of chapters before. Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. Jesus killed many. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and immediately told Jesus about her. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not, he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So imagine this, Jesus goes into the home of Peter's mother-in-law, he goes and she has a fever, then he, he heals her, he tells her to get up, which took her part, 
she gets up and she's healed and not only that she goes and serves them <laughs> so Jesus obviously served her healed her for a purpose he was hungry <laughs> God always does something for a reason amen yes suffer I don't think that's why he <laughs> no I know <laughs> but I do think it was her way no, thank you for clarifying that for me, Summer. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I thought I could get away with that one, but, you know. No, but what I do love about that, though, is as she did serve, though. And how many of us know that when God stepped into our lives, and as He's done so, it's to serve Him. Yes. He changed us. He did what wasn't supposed to be done for me and you, so therefore we could serve Him. But not only that, they bring all these sick people and demon-possessed people and Jesus starts to heal them and starts to cast out these demons. And not only that, the demons recognize Him and He shows the authority by telling them to shut up. To stay quiet. Talk about the authority that even the demons tremble at the name of Jesus, the Bible says. So no matter how powerful a demon may be, he's not powerful than God. He's not powerful than Jesus. And right here we see the authority of Jesus already being displayed. So this is just another example. Let's go to Mark chapter 2, the next chapter over, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 12. So Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, it says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? Sound familiar? Yes. But that you, oh, uh oh, verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. That must have been an amazing sight. But he was displaying his authority. I put here, by healing this man, they got to see the authority of God. Therefore, they had to acknowledge he had every right to forgive. He defied the law of the natural. Because what he did here was not natural. This was supernatural. This was something beyond the natural. He didn't inject him with a serum. He didn't give him no medicine. He didn't give him therapy. He said, rise up and walk. He gave him a word. And in that word, this man was obedient and got up. And there came his healing. It was the faith in who Jesus is and the authority of God. By that one word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was doing that to display his authority because by him saying your sins are forgiven, they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. Only God can do that. Okay, rise up and get up and walk. How are you going to deny that? Nicodemus says, good teacher, we know that you are from God because no one can know these things except the Son of God. There was no denying the works that Jesus was doing. But Jesus was doing this to display His authority in this world. He did this to show that He defies everything else in here. Not defies, but is over it all. And He can change whatever He chooses to change. To bring Him glory. To show who He is. 
Let's look at an example there. Um, Exodus chapter 8, verse 16 through 19. I believe Brother Dennis was going to read that. Exodus chapter 8, verse 16 through 19. said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out your rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he uh, hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Amen. Every single... Thing here that G, that God was doing as far as the plagues, the magicians were able to follow. It says that God would do this and Moses would speak this, and the magicians would do it. But when they got to this place, the magician says, "No, nah, man, this is the finger of God. We cannot do this." This was displaying the authority of God that the only one that can bring these plagues, the only one that had this power, this authority to do what He was doing, was God. Yeah. There was no denying it. Not even the magicians could. No spirit world, no nothing was even, a, what is it, a competition. Because <laughs> God has all the power and authority. So let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 19 through 23. Yeah, Luke chapter 11, verse 19 through 23. He says here, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, because they were accusing Jesus of casting out demons by spirit of Beelzebub, he says, By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But look what he says here. Recognize this part. But if it is by the finger of God. Whoa. Recognize that? He is referring to what the magicians were doing. And when they recognized it was a finger of God. Now he was saying this about himself. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. I thank God that Christ Jesus came in and he was a strong man that took me back, that took you back and snatched us from the grave. Yeah. That snatched us from bondage. That snatched us from death and gave us life. Because he's great and he did it by the finger of God and the power of God so let's go over here now to Ma uh, Matthew chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 through 20 says and Jesus came and said to them all authority Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I just wanted to get to that part. I said, all authority. <laughs> it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who was it given to? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. God bless you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And not only that, he tells them in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So he's not sending them out in their authority. He's sending them out in his authority. In his authority. In his name. Now let's go to Mark chapter 16. Book right over there. It's right at the end of the book. Mark chapter 16. We're going to go to verse 15 through 20. And he says in verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message or confirmed his word by accompanying signs. So not only did they go out there and preach the message, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the Lord confirmed the word. He confirmed his authority that they were preaching. He confirmed all that he is through them. So they could see that this is the true living God and that God was working and living through these disciples, through these apostles, in the power of God. Yes, Sister Valerie. I have a really silly question. Go ahead. It's really silly, um, but some could relate. Um, <laughs> where it says that uh, to preach the gospel to every living creature, do you think instead of people, like why doesn't it say people? Why does it say creature? Because I, sometimes I, I do this silly thing with our animals. I go, let everything have breath. Praise the Lord. And I take my dog's hands and I go like this. Amen. Amen. Dog praise. Their dog praise. <laughs> Let all creation praise the Lord. Let all creation praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, that's okay. But I mean, is there a reason why it said creature? I don't have another version. Does anybody else have another version that doesn't say creature? It might say creation. Does anybody else have a different version on that right now for that portion of scripture? Does anybody else say differently than creature? It's verse. Um, it's verse. 15. Creation? Okay, because mine says creation, the whole creation. Okay, mine says creature, so okay. I didn't know. I mean, like I said, it was silly. No, but I mean, hey, it's, it's an honest question, and that's okay. Hey, let every play around. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen? So, hey, it has, it has it. There's nothing wrong with the dogs and the animals wanting to praise the Lord. Amen? That's okay. We, we say we have Christian dogs. <laughs> Hey, pray for them and get them, you know, get them saved. Amen. Get them delivered. <laughs> Amen. So let's go to John chapter 20. It's one book over. And we're going to go back to Acts. Believe me, this is the whole reason why we got to go through this. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. He says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And what this is saying, he's speaking of the gospel. He's speaking of his word, his message, and the message is the forgiveness of sins. Not that the apostles or the disciples would have any right to forgive their sins, but in preaching the message of the gospel, they can know there is forgiveness of sins. And it was done in the power and authority that Christ has to forgive. The disciples would now have to live this and display the authority of the name they spoke in, recognizing and knowing that authority. 
Now, how would they do that? Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. I know for me this portion kind of hit home, so um, <laughs> I pray you're encouraged to this part. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. This is the faith of a centurion. It says, when he had entered Capernaum, we're reading that a lot today, a centurion came forward to him. I'm just going to say Downey, how about that? <laughs> a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion, and to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now I'm not going to stay on here too long. What I just want to look at is the recognition of the authority by this man. The reason why this man recognized the authority of Christ is because he himself was a man of authority. And I put here, in order for us to walk in authority, we must learn how to be under authority. Only then can we truly learn and walk and believe the authority Jesus has and the authority of his name. Many times we want to walk in the authority of Christ, but we're unwilling to walk under authority of anyone else. But in order to understand the authority of Christ, we have to learn how to live under authority. And if we want to walk in the authority of Christ, we have to learn how to live under it. How many of us believe that Jesus is still the healer today? How many of us believe that Jesus is still the deliverer today? How many of us believe that these things are still possible for God? That He has all the authority to do these things? I wrote here a couple of things, and this is just for you to take and for you to pray and you to ask. But these are questions that came to my heart as I was studying for this portion. I put here, why don't we see this happening anymore? It's not to say that it's not happening, but why is it that we don't see it happen anymore the way we read about it? And I put here, could it be that we as a people have an issue with authority? And because we are unwilling to submit, we have a harder time understanding and believing the authority that God has. Could it be that we are just a rebellious people? Using our freedom in Christ to get our way and what and how we think is right? We say we worship the Lord, but are we worshiping Him with our whole heart, which includes every area of our lives? Could it be that is why it's harder to see this and believe for it to happen? Do we still believe in the authority of Christ and in His name? Do we believe that He has every right to change what may seem unchangeable? That part hit home for me. He dealt with the children of Israel because they were rebellious people. Could it be today that we as a church have become a rebellious people? We say we walk in the authority of Christ, but yet we ourselves are not willing to submit to His authority. Could it be that that's why we don't fully understand the authority of Christ? 
That's for us to pray on. This is just an area that I have to examine even in my own heart and my life. Now let's go back to Acts as we close up here in Acts chapter 3, our key scripture tonight. Because we're going to see the power of submitting to the authority of Christ. Acts 3. Acts chapter 3, and our scriptures are from 6 to 10. Remember last week, he was expecting to receive something from them. Peter tells them, look at us. Do you think that Peter went, hey, look at me, please? He spoke with authority. Not to say he had to yell at him, but he spoke boldly and confidently under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, I have no silver and gold. I don't have a temporal, physical provision for you today. Which this man, this is what he was seeking. He was looking for a temporal, physical provision. Something to just get him by. This was his means of life. But Peter is letting him know, silver or gold I do not have. But look what he does have. But what I do have, I give to you. What I do have, Peter is recognizing the authority of Christ Jesus. Peter had walked with Jesus, had lived with Jesus, was rebuked by Jesus, had seen the Lord die and seen Him resurrect, had seen Him ascend on high and now was empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter not only did that, but he declared the Word of God with boldness and confidence in stating who Jesus is. So when he is saying what I do have, I give to you, he is declaring all that we read today, the authority of Jesus Christ, who was able to come in and change what looks like cannot be changed, maybe shouldn't be changed, but because Jesus has all the authority and the right to do so, he says, what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He says this not as a a question, but he says it as a command. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. He is speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. The authority of everything we just read, who he is. Everything we just read, he came for. Everything we just read, he did for me and you. The fact that at authority, in that authority, he delivered me and you from sin. He broke the bondage of sin and death and gave us life in Christ Jesus. But see, Peter and the disciples had to learn how to walk under the authority of Christ. Therefore, they were able to understand by the Holy Spirit the authority of Christ that now was in them. This had nothing to do with the disciples. This had everything to do with the authority of Christ now being spoken through their lives. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. This is not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. This man was lame from birth, but because the authority of Christ Jesus is being declared and spoken, it took this man now to submit to the authority of Christ. And because by faith he rose up, he made a choice to get up. Everything was now put into order by the authority of Christ Jesus. The physical was restored. Do we believe this today is still possible? Why is it so hard to believe this today? Why is it so hard for us to understand that this is still possible, that Christ is able to do this? 
Yes, it has to be by the will of God, but God is the healer. He can restore. He is the healer. It's growing to know our God. To know the power and authority that He has. That's not why we believe in Jesus today. But we know He is able. It's recognizing His authority in this land. It says, Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We read it earlier, he has all power and authority on heaven and earth. And look what this man did in verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Isn't that what Christ came to do? We read that earlier in Isaiah, that they would leap, that that garment would be turned into praise. That there could be joy. And, rec- and, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This was all to bring glory to God. Because let me tell you something. It doesn't end here. Because we still have next week to read. What this did was open up a door of opportunity to now give glory to God who was responsible for this. Because as God showed His authority through Jesus Christ, the authority of Jesus Christ will now be recognized through the people of God. Not for anyone's glory, but to God be the glory. But it was so those could turn and know that there is a God who loves them. And that a God that is able to save them and deliver them. People recognize the life that had just been changed. And what this does is uses the physical to set up the moment that now they can know Him. He has all the power and authority to even forgive sins and now preach the gospel for their spiritual well-being. This is what Christ did for me and you. But it comes down, do you know what you have? It starts with knowing who you have and submitting to His authority so you can understand what you have and we can live in His authority. I'll read that again. Do you know what you have today? He says, what I have, I give to you. But that only starts with knowing who you have. Who's who we have? Jesus. And submitting to His authority so you can understand what you have and we can live in His authority. This is all this is. Every time Jesus healed and delivered, He had compassion on the people. But it was because He had the authority and the right to do it. To change what looks like cannot be changed. There's people in our lives today that you may think, man, I don't think they're ever going to change. Let me tell you something. God has every right to change them. He has every right to save them. He has every right to heal them. He has every right to deliver them. He has every right to do whatever needs to be done in their lives to draw Him to Him. But it's us recognizing that and submitting to His authority. Lord, Your will be done. Not my will be done. It's still possible. Jesus still heals today. But there's always a reason and a purpose why He does it. It's always to bring Him glory and to draw those that don't know Him to Him so that they may know He is God and there is no other. Amen? Amen.
Any questions? Any thoughts? Thoughts was I, I just can imagine what that man felt, having that power just go through his body to heal him. You know, that must have been just amazing. I, I, that's what I, when I was like reading that. I'm just thinking about what he was going through, and that's yeah, that's amazing. I'm even thinking of another thought on that. Did he even feel anything? Yeah. Not only for him, but for the people that were witnessing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Summer. Um, one thing it definitely took a leap Yes. He had his part in it. Yeah, because Peter had a trust that God was going to let him look like a fool. And um, the layman had a trust that he was going to get healed. He could have been assaulted when Peter said, um, so we're going to have to. He could have had an attitude of why waste my time. But no, he accepted Jesus and he accepted the healing that came with the Jesus. And I think it was just a physical healing. I think it was emotional I mean, definitely there was oppression there, emotions, you know, emotional things, you know, different things, you know, things he wanted to do, things he, how he wanted to live, and he couldn't do it because of that state he was in. So, like she said, not only the physical was healed here, but there was also a lot of emotional things that were also healed as well. And I believe eventually even salvation in that, realizing that he can be forgiven in Christ Jesus. Any other thoughts? Or? I like the time span from the time he was born to the time he was healed. A lot of times we don't want to wait. Mm-hmm. Waiting in between oh, yeah. or the healing is sometimes that's what takes long because we want God instantly. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at the story too, is that Jesus did everything the Father told him to do. Mm-hmm. He followed the authority of his Father. So he taught them that everything the Father um, he did nothing without the Father. Without the Father, yes. And that's knowing and learning the Holy Spirit. Because like, you know, like Summer said as well, you know, many times, you know, like she said, Peter could have looked like a fool. Mm-hmm. Told him to get up and the guy gets up and it falls. And was like, oh, yeah, never mind. You know, you know, could have went either way on that. But this, I believe Peter knew this was the Holy Spirit. This is something he just stepped out and know, all right, Lord, this is what you want to do. This, I mean, I don't, they didn't plan it. Don't think they went looking for it. They were on their way to the temple for prayer. This was just a God moment. But because they were sensitive to it, you know, the Lord was able to use them. Yes, Miss. And this message of anything for myself is an inmate of the reason why I don't commit to certain things that God is asking me of me is because I realize the authority. I don't know how to, like, um, I think I don't know how to, but I think I'm still um, healing to. Because sometimes I think I know it all, or I might know better, or my opinion. Right? <laughs> well, why don't they do this, or why don't they say that, or I don't understand. Well, why do I have to do that? Like, why? Like, you know, I think I go through healing and learning that. Yes. But it did eliminate to me that I have a, a, a problem with order. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, you know, which I never realized before, but I get it now. Amen. I get it now. Why my commitment is not there. Okay. 100% and why. If anything, I'm being rebellious. And if anything, I'm delaying myself in what God's trying to show me. Amen. Okay. Yeah, thank Amen. <laughs> and thank you for sharing that, Sister Vanessa. Thank you for being so open on that. We appreciate that. You know, and the reality of it is, is none of us are there yet as far as fully being submitted under the authority of God. It's just recognizing that He does have all the authority and having the willingness. That's just a good start. Is first of all that Holy Spirit showing us and helping us to realize that, because many don't even realize that. We think we do, but we really don't. You know, but I'll admit I do have an issue with authority in many areas, you know, but maybe some areas I'm okay with. And then there's other areas that God is just going to have to work with me and continue to work with me. And thank God he's faithful. And then there's other areas I just ignore, you know, so it's just, you know, it's just easier that way. Or you just don't realize it yet. Yes, Summer. Um, I think submit is a very hard word in today's society because I think, uh, so things we... It's too easy to believe that the absence of free will and uh, being oppressed, and especially since throughout history, unfortunately, there's people that took advantage of the authority that they did have in ways that was not good for 
the people that they're supposed to have over? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and he's going to a people that had been under the authority of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that really took advantage of that authority. So definitely they had a very bad viewpoint of what authority was, you know, especially under Rome. You know, so this had to be a definitely a big learning experience for them as well. So, you know, as well as all of us. Amen. I mean we've been we're not not every authority we're under is always great, right? I mean, well, except maybe for all you guys, but, you know, not for me. Yes, Sister Valor. I want to apologize for asking such a dumb question, but it actually did uh, let me know that it was creation and not creature. Okay. That's Amen. basically what my question was. Okay. So it Amen. did, even though I, it, I took it a little... And Sister Valor, there's no dumb questions. Amen? There's no dumb questions. A question is just a question. I did learn. Yeah. You know, it's just like... Don't throw dumb in there. It's just a question. That's okay. Perfectly fine with that. Amen. God's not offended. Remember, we learned that a couple weeks ago. God's not offended by questions, is He? We can always ask questions. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and everything is His creation. Amen. Anybody else? Any other thoughts on that? Yes, Brother Dennis. And I have a hard time with this one. Uh, this, I'm trying to figure out really what the Lord. Uh, Okay, on Friday, they're taking my knee apart and rebuilding it. So now, I had my wife pray over it, and that was fine. But it never even crossed my mind to have somebody pray on it to just stand up and walk or, or what have you. And I'm sitting there thinking, am I, uh, am I less faithful or, or what? Like here, in, you read Matthew 8 in... Uh, 11 it says I send you that many shall come from the east and west shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven that yeah, sounds like all Christians are getting together or whatever next verse says but the children of the kingdom that's us right okay. shall be cast out into outer darkness and there shall be weeping get gnashing the teeth and I'm saying like you know what <laughs> you know, where uh, am I in that unbelief or, or what? I'm trying to be you know, believe. But I will say, I didn't even think about having somebody, you know, pray with the idea that, okay, I'll be just healed on the, on the spot. I mean, I'm just confessing this, I guess. Okay, amen. That's that's a very good, and I think, believe many times many of us are in that place, you know. Sometimes it could just come from fear that maybe we don't think that, you know, or even think about it, you know. But it's a possibility, and we can definitely pray for you tonight before you go tonight. And yeah. just a prayer of faith, because the Bible says to pray, anoint with oil, and pray by faith. Amen. Amen. And we can pray and believe God for it. Whether He does it or not, that's not up to us. That's up to Him. But we can but believe Him. Doctors. He does use doctors. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm not trusting. I've, I've been in and out of hospitals and all that kind of stuff. And I don't really get into trusting that they're doing something that God won't do or whatever, or the answer prayer. I, I've just felt like that God's in control. Of it. Yeah. It's working through them. Amen. And I've, I've had miraculous healing, by the way. Amen. Uh, but it wasn't, but it was, I didn't really choose to do it. It just, the Lord healed me. Right on the on the, the moment, I thought, whoa! Amen. <laughs> I feel like yes. I'm unbelievers, like whoa! Yeah, surprise. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, we're definitely going to pray for you, brother Dennis. Okay. We're going to pray prayer of faith. Amen. Thank you for sharing that as well. And that has a lot to do with the children of Israel and that portion of scriptures. We have probably have to look at the whole context of it in there. There's more to that, definitely yeah. though, in that. But Amen. But that's how the Lord speaks to us, though. I've always been disgusted with the children of Israel having come in and out, in and out, for God, against God, back, back and forth. And then I finally realized, well, that's exactly what we do. That's exactly what I do. Amen. So I can't point the finger at them. No, uh-uh. We put them on that cross just as much as they did. Yep. Amen. We're all just as guilty.